Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing his talk, Her Teeth, by There Were Wires, featuring my pal Jamie Mason on vocals. The song appears on their newly reissued album, Somnambulous, that you can find on Iodine Recordings and Tor Johnson Records. I was born in uh, New Hampshire uh, in 1976 and uh, lived in New Hampshire most of my life up until probably college age or so. Um, but bounced around New Hampshire. I lived in Plymouth, Guilford, you know, we kind of, kind of bounced around a little bit from school to school, um, but had kind of the typical nuclear family. Um, you know, we we kind of were more out in like rural areas. You know, I remember most of my life when I think of New Hampshire, I remember just kind of growing up on a, a dirt road, <laughs> you know, and like riding uh, riding my dirt bike and, you know, trying trying to figure out skateboarding out, you know, between a couple of cow fields and, and that type of shit. Uh, but yeah, you know, my, my parents were great. They, um, they're always really supportive of what I did. Um, and, uh, you know, they worked a lot. I came from a restaurant family and, um, the restaurant business is just, it's just go, go, go. There's just no real days off. And, um, they're actually still involved in it uh, to this day, but they, they, uh, yeah, they stayed together for a long time, still living there in Maine right now. And, uh, I, yeah, I have an older sister and, uh, a younger brother and, uh, we all get along pretty well. Um, my brother lives out here with me in Oregon now, um, not with me, but he moved out from New Hampshire as well, uh, years and years ago. And, um, yeah, we've, we've been here for, for quite a while and, uh, yeah, uh, family was always a pretty pretty important thing, and we always tried really hard to just you know at least stay in touch, even though we're we're pretty far away at this point. Yeah, yeah. you said your family was always involved in the restaurant uh, thing, and then and then like uh, we'll we'll talk about it more later. But you ended up you know opening a restaurant like out there, so I guess yeah, that was like you know uh no escaping that i guess um like not, you know not that <laughs> full circle yeah 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 um yeah so uh you know like uh, probably a lot of people like one of you know some of my first jobs were restaurants and i still really like technically work in food as well but um like um being uh that your parents had that uh background um and uh like you know, you, you describe them as being like very busy. Were they, uh, always like very encouraging and supportive of like, like arts and music at, at home or. Oh, definitely. I mean, they were, my mom, my mom was insanely supportive of anything I did. <laughs> it was, you know, yeah. But, but particularly anything that was creative and anything where, where I would get some sort of attention for it or some sort of, you know, where, where other people could see 
you know, how great her son was. And she was like that with my brother and my sister. She was just, she just loved to see her kids do things that they enjoy and succeed at them and be recognized for it. And um, I don't think there's ever been a, a moment in my life where my, where my, parents weren't supportive of anything I tried to do. Um, you know, and I was a pretty easy kid, you know, my, my whole thing growing up was just, I wanted, I wanted to do well enough to mostly just be left alone and to be trusted to go do the things I want to do and not, and not have to like constantly fight to, to do the things I wanted to do. So I did well in school reasonably, you know, like yeah. a, A's, B's, a couple C's, you know, that sort of thing. But I wasn't driven so much by any sort of success or, or doing well, but I just wanted to be to do well enough so I could do the things I wanted to do and not have any and you know not have be you know checked up on constantly and um, you know and mostly what I was doing was skating you know skateboarding and uh, primarily skateboarding was everything to me for the time I was like twelve on um, but you know my parents were just you know, they're so busy and I think they're happy that I found something that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, musically they were, you know, music wasn't a, a huge, huge part of my life growing up, but my dad, you know, had the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the dad crates full of, you know, old classic rock and, and everything else. And there, yeah, there's always like an acoustic guitar around. We weren't really a musical family at all. Uh, in fact, my brother is the only one in, in the entire family, my, my younger brother, who actually has any musical talent at all, as far as I can tell. He actually plays drums and guitar, and um, he's 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 one of those uh, annoying people that's just like kind of naturally good at everything he tries, you know, which is which is not not the case with me. But pretty much everything he does, he's good at. But um, but he and he and he went to play in some some punk bands and stuff um, years ago as well, but. Yeah, you know, but as far as like the support, it was just kind of always there from my family, from my family in general. And, um, you know, I did I did some theater a little bit that my mom was so excited about um, when I, you know, I did a couple of plays or something like that, that <laughs> she was, I ended up, I, I got a lead role in the play my freshman year of high school in a big regional, big regional school in Plymouth. And she was, I, I don't think I've ever seen her happier to just see me be recognized, you know, for, for, for doing something artistic. And, um, so yeah. And to this day, I mean, she texted me the other day and like posts on Instagram and stuff about how proud she is about, <laughs> about the, uh, the, there were wires re-release record, which is, which is so, which is so funny. You know, she's yeah. like in her, in like her seventies now. And she's like, like happy that her, her 40 something son, like, put out a record from 20 years ago which is like it's really cute you know it's really cute copies yeah 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 i got that i actually i literally have shirts i have to send them there were wire ah, shirts okay. now because okay. <laughs> awesome. so yeah we're we're we've been you know our extended family is kind of fucked up uh, especially on my mother's side and that has been fucked up for a lot of years and um but our you know um, my immediate family, uh, we've all, we've at least stayed in touch and we're friendly and cordial and, you know, we love each other, even though we drive each other crazy and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. it's been, uh, it, it, it's good. It's good. And I'm happy to be at this age where I know a lot of, a lot of people have, you know, lost, lost their parents, you know, for one, either literally or, you know, figuratively like can't i can't stand my mom i can't be in the same room with her and you know that sort of thing there's a there's a lot of that and i'm i'm happy that my brother and i are really close my sister and i get along really well and um yeah and i still love my folks i try to go see them whenever i can yeah so what Um, play what play were you talking about that you were in Oh God, um, Jesus! What was it? This, I mean, this is—I'm old. This is oh, long. Okay. This is like okay. freshman in high school. But it was a—you know—it was a play called Fortress. Okay. And I had it was me and uh, an older, like I think she was a senior. Um, but uh, it was big. It was a huge regional school. So I remember when I agreed to do it, or I, I got the part. I was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. This won't be a, a big thing. But it was a huge auditorium that was full. And uh, and I couldn't 
believe how big it was when it, when it was full. And like, I was really, really intimidated. I was really nervous. I think I got hives really bad when we were, you know, the, the nights that we opened and everything, because yeah. there was just, there's just so many people. It, like it was like Madison square garden, as far as I was concerned, because it was just so, so big. Um, but you know, the, but it went really well. And I think that was one of the first times I ever got on stage and to have people be into what you're doing was wow, that's like, that's a great feeling. And to have people like stand up and clap for you when you're doing something, especially at that age, when you're, when you're just some weirdo, you know, punk kid trying to figure himself out and like, what am I into and what direction do I go? But having like that immediate, you know, I, I don't know, that, people just standing there and like really, really stoked on what you did and, and applauding you for it. It was just, it was a very surreal feeling and it's a great feeling. Like I get, I get why people get into that. Um, and that was a comfortable place for me for, you know, in my younger life. And later on, like there, there is no, there's like no way I would get on a, a stage for and be on a play. I'm just like, I'm just too, I just, I just don't think I could do it anymore. But at that time, I, it was more like I was just too naive to know how scary and nerve wracking it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I just wa wandered into someplace I kind of had no business being, got a little taste of it and then got out, you know, and, you know, it, it was just, a, it, and again, it's, you know, being in a band and everything, you know, punk rock and, and hardcore, you kind of have this, there's like a, a free pass to just be, to be shitty, <laughs> you know, like no one can, like, like if your band is like kind of crappy and shitty and you get up and you kind of have a, you know, a bad show or whatever, it's the, it doesn't really matter. You know, your parents aren't in the audience. You, you don't have like, <laughs> you know, teachers and all your, you know, everybody you ever went to school with in, in one place, you know, judging you. It's just like, who, who cares? So, you know, it, it wasn't, it's not as high pressure to be in a, like a, a punk punk rock at a punk rock show or whatever but um but yeah that, that was probably the first and last time i really did anything theatrical like that it's weird we're even talking about it now but <laughs> but, but it's like but it is it is kind of a funny memory because it, it was the first time i remember being that that overwhelming feeling of just being like unbelievably supported by a, by a lot of people and yeah. it, it's kind of surreal if you've never experienced it yeah yeah well, i was gonna say you know like uh validation is like is very tricky at that age you know because um there's the validation of your peers and and you know like at that age i felt like you never know like who's coming or going into your life you know as far as your peers are concerned and then and and adults you know at that age you don't you don't all the time buy everything that they're saying anyway you know so like to be overwhelmingly validated yeah it's it's got to be something else at that age you know but um but uh stress hives and all that that's that's no joke for sure yeah <laughs> well yeah it's the high the high pressure situation yeah um but yeah validation is the is the word for it and it's yeah. uh and and it is it's hard when and when you have ultra supportive parents and people in your life after a while you start to you know it, it seems like it's just this par for the course thing that's going to happen mm -hmm. and and it's hard to get like real actual information about you know like how well am i actually doing because yeah. any because yeah. if it, just any dumb thing that i'm doing is being like applauded over you start you know you, you, it's hard to suspend disbelief yeah that that, that what you're doing is you kind of have to take it with a, a grain of salt yeah so you know and that's something with with my mom always it's like you know it doesn't matter what i do it could be just some stupid little thing and it's amazing or or if it's something really big it's, <laughs> it's so right. you know you you kind of have to learn to gauge where you really are you can't just count on the people that are like terminally going to support you from from beginning to end but yeah. um <laughs> yeah like i said it's like that's what makes it tricky um but yeah you said that um you know music wasn't a part like a big part of your life anyway, like growing up um, until a certain point, obviously. Um, so what what was that point and how did your interest in music like really uh, come about? Music, I was sort of a late bloomer 
in just about everything I did. Uh, I remember being really, even, I don't know how old you are, but I mean, when I was in elementary school and, and middle <laughs> middle school, um, you know, there was like, people were into like, I remember all the kids were in GI Joe and they were into the garbage pail kids. Right. And I didn't, I didn't get it for the first like year or two when it was really popular. And by the time I finally got around to it, everybody was like, well, you still have those, <laughs> you know, like, why are you, why are you fucking around with those? They're like, nobody's into that anymore. You know? And I just felt like I was, I was constantly late on everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but escape when skateboarding came around, I felt like that was the one thing that I could really dive into because culturally it was so rich you know there was just so much to latch onto and so much to explore and you could and so doing a deep deep dive into skateboarding culture and everything that went along with it which was kind of intrinsically linked to punk rock um like i said in you know some other conversations it's just thrasher magazine just sort of opened the doors to mm-hmm. black flag you know the dead kennedys circle jerks jfa uh all that stuff and uh, misfits and i just i was just like really immediately hooked on not only just the aesthetics of everything but musically i just finally hearing that stuff, I was just really blown away by it. And, and being in New Hampshire, there wasn't really any other access to it. You know, there wasn't any other avenues. Um, and, uh, so skateboarding sort of kicked everything off and, um, you know, and then eventually you have a friend who has an older brother who has all the right records. Right. You know, like, and, and he's cool and smart and he has other friends and their friends have skateboards and they have the misfits crimson go you know like spray painted on their their grip tape and it's like holy fuck like these guys just look so cool and they're like um like what they're they're clearly into some shit that nobody else in this school you know and we were and i went to a a really like jock heavy like football was everything so it's all jocks and lacrosse players and baseball dudes and just stuff like you know it's which is fine and people can be into whatever but i was really really interested in what the weird the weird kids were were doing and they were skateboarding they were listening to Jane's Addiction and um, you know the Misfits and all like early Red Hot Chili Peppers stuff and I was just it just seemed like a whole world it was like walking into like the Willy Wonka factory and just being like like you just want to grab everything you can and see what tastes good to you yeah Um, so so you like you know that that describes like a lot a lot of like people i think like around you know our age or or uh, maybe a little older or younger just like the <coughs> thrasher magazine i mean like that's exactly how i heard you know like uh all the thrash bands that i um first got into and then it became descendants and all that and um yeah but um yeah d- did like um, once you started, like, getting into the music and everything, were you, like, automatically sort of uh, thinking that, you know, you want to, like, pursue playing yourself? Or did you feel like that was not really a possibility? Like, no possibility of it at all. At, at all. You know, I was never musically inclined. I never had, I really never had any interest in playing instruments you know like mm-hmm. i think i had a bass guitar or someone get, I, I just acquired somehow and i would just kind of like thump around on it while i was watching tv but i just had no i had no real inclination um or natural ability uh to to learn how to play um i did have a best friend though that was uh at that age you know i, I met my best friend jody minnick um who you're from Chicago. He was, uh, later on, uh, you know, kind of like high school, post high school, he was involved in some of the, the hardcore bands out there. Um, like Everlast and Hinkley and that sort of thing. But, oh, I know Hinkley, uh, yeah. yeah, Jody sang in Hinkley. Um, and, uh, he, he was just the, the, the best guy ever. And, um, but we met in New Hampshire, you know, 
Jesus, back when we were, yeah, probably around 13 or so, and uh, met skateboarding in the middle of the sidewalk, and he was very, very, like, he was into punk much more deeper than I was at that time. I kind of had this surface-level understanding and interest in it, and he was pretty entrenched and, like, really seeking things out. And um, so he kind of he kind of led the charge in terms of like finding the, the finding punk and hardcore stuff. And I remember when he was first, first time I even heard about hardcore was he was talking about going to see, you know, some bands, I, I don't remember which, um, that were, you know, there's going to be like a, a, a mosh pit there and, you know, like all this stuff. And it was the first person I ever heard mentioned talk about, a, you know, moshing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I was pr- pretty amazed by that. And, um, you know, he moved shortly after that, he moved to Chicago, um, when we're, you know, I think towards the mid to later high school years. And, uh, and that's when he got involved in the scene. And I actually just learned a lot from him just by keeping in touch, you know? Um, and, uh, so he sort of, he sort of like brought in my interest into hardcore in general. Um, and that's when I, you know, he would send me mixed tapes and, and all sorts of things like that. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then from there I started exploring on my own, but playing, playing in bands was never really anything that I, that I considered until I saw Jody doing it, you know, and Jody was like, I remember he was like, oh yeah, we started a band called Everlast. And I went to one of their practices, you know, <laughs> when I was out visiting one, one time, it was early on and, you know, it's just this kind of, you know, chugga chuggas, uh, you know, straight edge mosh, mosh stuff. Um, but it was cool. It was, and I was like, oh, this is like, this is something you can, you can just do. You can just get a bunch of friends together and just make music. It's that easy, <laughs> you yeah. know? So he kind of opened my eyes to what was possible. And like Jody didn't like, he didn't sound like he had any, he had any other experience playing in bands or, or any of that sort of thing. He just like, okay, you're going to sing. So he kind of made, made it seem possible to do that just as like a, just as a fun project sort of thing. And, um, and it wasn't really until I ended up, so I, I moved to Chicago for college and, uh, Jody and I lived together for, for a few of those years. And, and that's where I really got more in depth into like the hardcore and punk scene. And, uh, you know, we'd go and see Los Crudos and Damnation AD and, you know, all these other, um, bands that played around that area. And it was just eye opening, you know, it's just like, oh, these are all kids pretty much my age that are all playing in, in these, you know, really cool bands and doing some really cool shit. And some of them are, you know, incredibly intelligent, well-spoken people. And some of them are just like straight up maniacs, you know, there's this broad spectrum. And, um, and it just got me interested in the, the idea of playing, playing music. Um, and uh, even though I really didn't have a whole lot of, there wasn't a whole lot of avenues for it for me. But you know, uh, it was it was later on when I moved out of Chicago, and um, I would go I would go home for the summers and work at my aunt's restaurant on uh, Martha's Vineyard off uh, the coast of Massachusetts. And uh, we kind of we kind of started our own little scene out there. I made some friends out there that became you know that. Uh, those guys became really good friends of mine and that's really how their rewires started was uh playing with those guys on martha's vineyard every summer just kind of in in joke bands um and then i'd go back to chicago go to school for a bit and you know go to shows and hang out with jody and all those all those dudes out there um and then when i decided to actually move back to the boston area be closer to home and I, I wanted to get out of Chicago that's when there were wires actually really started doing something we started playing off uh, off island and playing smaller shows that turned morphed into bigger shows and um, got to play some really cool bands and stuff and kind of became a real thing from there
that was your first band then, basically. Yeah, yeah, I've only ever really... I mean, in Chicago, um, I did like a, a little project thing, uh, which I guess you could... Which would be my, my first band um, with my friend Zach um, and a guy named Andy. I didn't really know the other guys very well, but they just wanted... They, you know, we just want to do a, a fun thing together. I think we only played like two shows or something, so I don't really count it, but it, I love Zach and it was really fun playing with him. Um, and that was kind of the first thing we did uh, out there, but I was never, I was never comfortable with it. It just, uh, I wanted to do something really, really heavy. And uh, I always wanted to do like the heaviest thing. I was really, at that point I was like, I was, you know, really into like unbroken and dead guy and, um, and that sort of stuff. They're really like angular, noisy, coalesce, you know, really angular, jarring music. Mm-hmm. And the stuff we were playing was a little more kind of like lighter, sort of like 400 years ish, a little, you know, a little emo tinge. So, um, it wasn't quite heavy and I don't think I really fit in vocally with what we were doing um, but it was fun and kind of a like a, a good way to get my feet wet in terms of like getting back on a stage and having a microphone and um, I just remember being so nervous you know yeah, like just like oh god I was going to ask how that how that compared to uh, to your your audience uh, full audience at the play like you, you were still like very nervous you didn't like you weren't like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's forty people, or, or what? Oh no, I was like, I mean, I was, I wanted to do a good job, you know, and I was really insecure about my my vocals. I was insecure about everything. I've never not been, you know, like I'm not a, like I've always felt like I'm, I'm not a singer. I'm not like a, you know, I don't have a particularly great voice, and you know, that even even if it's just screaming, it's like I don't know if this is good or not, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean, and like, so yeah. And, you know, and by comparison, you know, a lot of my friends were in bands that were really good and they had like, and were real doing really interesting stuff and like seemed like they really, you know, and Jody was one of the, the, the craziest vocalists there was, you know, he, uh, you listen to a Tusk record, you know, and it's like, he's, he's absolutely out of control, you know? So, so, which is great, you know, like, and I, I, I love all that stuff and, I just wanted to be good at what I was doing. That That's pretty much it, you know, and I didn't want to embarrass myself or embarrass anybody else in the band. And I've always kind of felt that way, you know, or it's just yeah. like, yeah, you just want you, if you're going to put the time into doing it, especially if you're recording, you know, or playing live, you, you want to do the best job you can. So I was self-conscious earlier on and, and later on when I felt like the music kind of fit what I was doing vocally, I got, I was much more comfortable in that setting with the, their wire stuff for sure. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't particularly like being, I like playing shows, but I just don't like being on stage or being like the center of attention. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, all this, all this time after the fact, you know, nobody, nobody really wants to do any, any of the podcast or, or like, or interview stuff, you know, so I, I end up doing it because I, you know, it's like the, the vocalist guy wants the most attention and it's, uh, not entirely true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> although I do like doing this, I, I like, talk, I, I really do love talking to, to new people and it's, it's really fun talking about like old hardcore stuff, but, yeah. um, yeah, it is funny that I, I end up doing so many of these lately, all these years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask, um, you know, uh, when, when y'all played at my house in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, I don't know. So the split with Moment came out in 2001. So it had to be like around around then because I have that split. I got it when y'all played here. Um, I also had, I don't know if, like, I also have the self-titled CD, but I don't know, like, I have not seen the, like, uh, case for it or whatever in, like, I don't know how long. So I don't, I was like, I've never known, like, did I have a tour version of this CD? Do I have like a different, I'm not sure, you know, but, uh, at any, at any rate, I remember when y'all played here, um, I don't remember how it came up, but you told the story about how you named the band. And I thought that was really cool. So I was wondering if you could share that again. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, but just to, just to touch on your first uh, the first thing with the the CD, we had we initially released released the CD ourselves and okay. had um, so we had like a tour edition, and then we got back and we made another run of them, you know, and they had different packaging. So there's probably like okay. five different uh, types of packaging for that first initial CD yeah, before. Yeah, like and then I Casey there was iodine like a paper, like like a cardboard or something. If I remember, oh, definitely. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah, and like we did all that stuff ourselves. We just like we just we were very very DIY. We did all the packaging and shirt silk screening and everything was done by hand. So um, until we we hooked up with Casey, who re-released it. Um, with professional packaging, we still did all the art design and layout and everything, um, and then and added a uh, a uh, radio show set that we had that we had done onto that. So that's that's where that came from. But yeah, there's like a million of those versions out there. Mm. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's funny that the uh, the band name thing was uh, first of all, I think it was really cool that we actually got to, to like we get to like talk all these years later. Cause like, I, I remember so little of those tours yeah. <laughs> uh, that it's, it's, it's really cool. I'm glad you, glad you found me. We got to, got to chat again. Um, but the, the band name thing was we, we started out kind of as a, a joke band, you know, like we, we just wanted to have fun and, and fuck around and in Ryan's parents' basement, you know, uh, in the, in the summers. And we were always kind of looking for a name that, that fit. And I always thought that like, you know, in order to be like the heaviest thing, you need to have a really heavy name, you know, you need, it needs to sound like, you know, like carcass or, you know, like darkest hour and die my will, you know, like that, all that really dark, like brooding style of band names that were so like dire at that time. I thought that's like really what, what the direction we should go. Um, but it just never really worked out. It's just like, it just none of it, nothing really fit at that time in, in terms of, of having a, a real name. So we ended up getting this kind of very cryptic name. And what, uh, the way we came up with it was I was home in New Hampshire at my parents and my brother was still in high school. And, um, I don't know why I was home, but, uh, I was there for a little bit. My brother had cut himself with an exacto knife in uh, art class or something and so he had to go to the hospital and get stitches and I went with my mother to pick him up just because I had nothing else to do and while we were walking around the, the hospital I was just kind of wandering the halls and they had all these drawings from children um, the, all these children's drawings that were up from their stay in the hospital and some of them were just like oh I had so my doctor was so nice and like you know did this for me and I had orange juice and a lot of them were like these cute kind of cheerful hopeful drawings and nice you know nice little things mm-hmm. and then there was and then there was one where it was just this kind of like crazy crayon drawing of uh, the kid had had drawn of herself on the on the gurney or on like an operating table with just all these scribbles and like wires and stuff all over it and the only thing that they wrote on it was they measured my heartbeat there were wires they were cold and that and that was it and it was it was just like this really crazy thing and it, and it sort of just stuck with me for a while like like just like jesus that's like i don't know something something about it the drawing with the with the the words on it i i yeah. couldn't get out of my head and um so we were going i think at one point we were just going like spending weeks and weeks trying to like okay wh- what do we really want to call the band and i kind of threw that out there i just kind of told that story in there like that playing in there was like yeah that actually sounds it's vague and weird, but still kind of like rolls off the tongue. And everyone, I can't believe everybody was like, yeah, let's do that. That yeah. That's going to be the band name. But yeah. that's, that's how it happened. We just kind of ran with it. And uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that's, and that's been it since day one. So <laughs> from there. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an, in, it's an intense, like experience to recall. Like it's, it's like, um, you know, it's very, uh, um, like that kind of impression is hard to uh, forget, you know. Um, so, so yeah, it's 
uh, yeah, it's like there is something about like that, you know. At that time, was just it, it was just very strange, and um, it was this sort of absurd, absurdly stark reaction yeah, to like exactly. uh, like uh, like uh, some sort of invasive hospital experience. Yeah, written by written from a kid, so there's like this a lot of innocence in it, but it's also just very very. I don't know. Uh, yeah. it, it, it just really made an impression on me. Yeah. And um, years later, my brother actually went back to that. I don't know if it was years, but at least a year later, my brother went back to the hospital and, and grabbed the drawing off the wall. Oh, um, and, uh, <laughs> and he brought it to and he brought it to a show we were going to play at uh, in Rhode Island at this place called Fort Thunder. And the, which is where all the lightning bolt guys played, like all the, the only bill, um, sound people are all there, like all Arab on radar. It's like, it's just this crazy, like art music compound out there. So the show was supposed to be there with converge and, um, as the sunsets, which is pre daughters and, uh, and catharsis and the cops came and the show got like, we had already loaded all of our stuff in and then the cops showed up and kind of like the show wasn't happening. And we had to like scramble to, uh, to, to move it to a different location. Um, and, uh, unfortunately that, that drawing got lost somehow in that, oh, in that mix. No. And that, yeah. So I was super, super bummed out. I would give anything to have that drawing, but it is, it's long gone. I'm so bummed out about it. I had it in my hands and then it was just gone. Yeah. So bummed. Yeah. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I was going to ask if, if, uh, if it exists somewhere online, but, um, Yeah. Oh, such is such is fate, I guess. Uh, it, I know. I, mean, I like to think that maybe it's just hanging in Fort Thunder. Maybe it's <laughs> you know, just, like, yeah. like maybe it made its way in there, and it's just like on a ceiling somewhere. I I don't know, know. but uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So like, when? So, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> trying, no, 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 trying to figure how how to go into this. So um. You know, you said that the band wasn't very serious at first, but within a couple of years, um, you know, obviously something changed because you had, like, in 2001, you had, like, the split 7-inch, and then you had, like, an LP, and then a couple of years later, you had, like, another EP, and you had um, another LP. Um, so was there just, like... A moment when something happened where like what what you all were doing like became like crystallized and 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 you're just like okay this is a thing that we can do like we're gonna start touring and we're gonna you know start recording and yeah, I, I mean that's that's a good question, and it's and it's actually kind of hard to recall if there was a specific moment, but I do think it's I think. The first show I remember that was actually like a, a impactful in a way where it's like, oh wow, people are like really into this. Um, I think we played a fest in God, where it was somewhere off island, like Fuck Fest or something like that, <laughs> where a bundle where a bunch of bunch of other bands came out. Um, I think maybe Orchid played or. Um, like maybe Jerome's dream, um, uh, kind of that, that real, like early, that sort of screamo fest type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we played and for some reason we ended up playing later than I thought we normally would have. Um, and the, and I think just the reaction to everybody, everybody was just really, really excited for the show in general, but the reaction was really good. And, um, I think we, that's when I first realized like, Oh wow, people, like actually kind of like what we're doing, you know? And, um, and the, the most important factor I think, and that's actually continuing on was obviously getting off an Island because it sucks being a band on an Island. So moving to Boston and, you know, becoming like actual young adults who have to, you know, work for a living and, you know, like you, you have to kind of fight to live in a city, you know, to some degree. And, um, we all pretty much decided across the board. Yeah. We're going to go, 
we'll go to Boston. Um, I was planning on finishing school, but I never did. I just, I just got a, a job to pay the bills while, while I was in the band. Um, and I think, I think our reactions from the shows and the amount of kids that started coming out and the, the amount of support we were getting sort of just pulled us along organically. Um, because I, I don't recall ever like pushing to do a whole lot. We, you know, like we didn't ask for a lot of help. We didn't ask really to get on shows. There's only one show that I ever like really begged to get on. And that was like a Rorschach reunion show that never happened anyway. <laughs> but uh, and that was very much, I like begged to get on that show, but uh, I think it would have worked too, but that they ended up canceling the tour for whatever reason. So, uh, but beyond that, I think we decided to do it because we were, because the band sort of organically grew in its own way. And, and, you know, it was sort it was a little bit of a golden age in that time. Cause you know, we're in Boston and you have, you have cave in and you have converge and ISIS and, um, you know, American nightmares coming up and, uh, you know, there, there's all sorts of the hope conspiracy and we were kind of, we kind of like straddled the line a little bit. We could play shows with like orchid and the Jerome stream type style stuff, like, you know, the page 99 sort of thing. And then we played a bunch of shows with like daughters and, um, uh, we played with converge and we played with, we even played with Mastodon, you know, early on. And so we could kind of like go, across genres and we weren't really like pigeonholed into one particular stuff. We weren't like relegated to a basement and we certainly weren't stuck on the main stage anywhere. We, we just felt we could fit comfortably somewhere in between. And, um, so I think just having like a little bit of crossover appeal to some of the bigger, you know, some of the bigger bands and definitely the, the smaller, more DIY bands was, was good for us, you know? And like, we, we didn't care. We just wanted to play shows. We didn't, you know, we didn't have like, we didn't really mind playing either this or that. We, yeah. we just wanted to play. And like, we, we, our, that was our whole thing. We played a lot more shows than we ever did recording. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, that, and I think, uh, the fact that we had all made such an effort to be in Boston and to, to figure out how to live in a, a larger city made it feel like we have to really like take it as, you know, kind of as seriously as we can. Yeah, if we're going like, to do this, we might, we might as well really do it, you know? Come here for nothing. Kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. like your first show experience um being like pretty nerve-wracking um what was it like for you the first time you uh, went into a recording situation like seeing as you know like you're kind of uh always pretty self-conscious about like how you know how your performances go and everything and this is something that you haven't you know done um 
really up until this point like so what was yeah. that first experience like it was i was really really nervous about it personally you know i don't know how everybody else uh, <laughs> felt about it at the time but we recorded we had done some you know some basement recording so i could at least get an idea of like what what things sounded like on tape, you know? Um, and by that time I, I had been, you know, I had been doing vocals enough that I felt like I at least understood my voice a little bit better mm-hmm. and that, and I understood how to, how to work it in a way that like it is going to work, you know? Cause I think I was always trying just too hard. I was screaming too loud and like, I'd blow my, my voice out. I just didn't know how to, how to vote. You know, vocalize without absolutely shredding my throat yeah and so over time i you know i developed a way you know i developed um you know the ability to not you know make myself mute (laughs) after every single show or practice or whatever which is good um and yeah i just kind of learned my voice and uh we went into god city to record our demo uh with kurt baloo and uh that was I think we just did four songs and it was fun. Uh, you know, we liked it, but I also remember <laughs> just feeling like, you know, like we were really trying to, to go pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I feel like the songs are definitely faster than how we are eventually ended up playing them and, and that sort of thing. But I was really proud of the, the demo because I remember first hearing after I heard the actual demo all put together and like, you know, uh, mastered and equalized and everything. I was like, oh, my God, this sounds this actually does sound like a real band. Like this passes for a real band, you know, and it's like, holy fuck, you know, like this sounds like a lot of the other stuff that I'm listening to. And so I was I was just it was more relief than anything that like I just didn't, you know, that that the music was that the music was great. I always thought the guys in the bands were, were a lot more talented than I was, you know, like they they spent a lot of time playing and practicing and um you know i i did my best to keep up with them but they're they're they were really talented artists and they're really talented musicians um and uh i just wanted to not embarrass them or us you know so but after that recording i was like okay well actually i think my voice sounds pretty good like the i i think that sounds fine and uh and not not everything you know not everything we ever recorded felt that uh, I felt that great about, um, but I think, uh, the self-titled stuff, I think the, you know, those songs are, we've played them all a, a million times in our, in our history. And, um, well, I eventually, you, I've mm-hmm. personally played the physics of air hockey about a million times. <laughs> that song is, that is a fucking track. Um, that's one of our earliest songs yeah Yeah. that is that is the one like when i'm like when i think of this band i'm like i put on that song right there and when it gets to the middle like that's when i know it's coming down Um, but yeah one thing i was gonna ask is because i didn't know uh i didn't know about the like the four song like demo or whatever beforehand and you mentioned like you uh, thought you were playing songs like too fast or whatever. So like, those are the same songs that later went on the self-title, right? Or at least some of them. Yeah. Were. So you, yeah, I think you those four went them? on. Yeah, those are re-recorded. Okay. Um, yeah, I actually like the demo versions of those songs a little bit better. It At sounds. This point? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. For, I, the the uh, the self-titled stuff, like I I really love playing those songs. Uh, that recording, I don't. I just don't particularly like. I think it sounds. I don't know. I, I think I said this before to, on, on another podcast, but uh, they're just, they, everything sounds dry to me uh, in comparison to the demo and to the Somnambulous uh, record. Uh, yeah. it, it's still good. Uh, you know, like I think Keith did a really good job, but I think we kind of just pumped it out pretty quickly and I would have probably done a little more production or, or something on it to, I don't know. Um, but, it, but it's good and I, I get it, but I do, uh, I think the, uh, I think the demo song sounds a little more, uh, I don't know. I, I think there's a, a little bit more kick to it. Um, I have a demo somewhere. Eventually I'll put it up on YouTube. Um, if I can find a, a tape recorder or whatever, <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so yeah, we recorded that along with a bunch of other songs for the, uh, for the self-titled one. And, um, 
Yeah, but the I mean the the physics of air hockey has always been the the song, you know, and like earlier on it was just the you know, we, there's other bands that have that sort of thing. I know Page Ninety Nine has that like, what is it like by by the fireplace and white or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. where where yeah. that's like that that's their closer. That was kind of that was kind of our thing. Everybody wanted to hear that and at last, and so yeah, that's kind of what we did. And it, it, it's funny now when I think about that, you know the. That song sort of drives me crazy because it's like it's not something I I listen to and I don't really even listen to music like that at all anymore. <laughs> but um, you know, but the the song that that's about is you know I I've been I've been living with the girl that the song from Physics of Air Hockey is about for you know like the last the last fifteen years, uh, which is which is pretty funny because uh, not not a lot of people really know that, but. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole song was really just about like, God, I like, I wish this girl would like me, <laughs> you know, oh, like I, w- I wish this girl didn't think I was just a total fucking idiot. And, yeah, and now she knows I mean, she's stuck with me and it's fucking, it's fantastic. Well, that's, and that's it's working out. All right. <laughs> so it all worked out in the end with the, with yeah. the physics of air hockey, but, uh, no, I, I, I appreciate that every, anybody that likes anything that we ever did, you know, it's just, it's hard not to look back critically of yourself at that time and be like Jesus Christ like you're such a tool <laughs> yeah yeah for sure. uh, you know that's that's kind of what makes it fun too like I don't I don't mind like everybody's a fucking idiot you know at, at, at some point in their lives and sometimes just some errors you're just more of an idiot than others as far yeah. as I can tell yeah so <laughs> that that's that's kind of like leads to like another question I was going to ask like is that why, like, you you all decide to like re-release some um, some Namulus instead of like, just like a re-release the complete discography? Is because of like your varying feelings on different um, parts of the recorded history? Well, you know, it's funny. I I don't really know how everybody else feels about the other the other records. You know, I know I have my own personal feelings about it. A lot of the self titled songs, like I don't care if I ever hear them again. You know, um, at least in, in in recorded form. But I think I think some of this was the real reason it was record re re released um, was just because it never got it never really got the proper release to begin with. And by that, I mean, um, we had, we had put the record out on iodine records and the, the label closed like days before the record came out. Like, uh, Casey who ran iodine, who's a, a great guy, real, like love him to death. He just got in over his head at that time at a time when, uh, you know, the music industry was, was shifting and people, you know, vinyl wasn't really selling. It was hard to move CDs and stuff. And, um, he had bit off a little bit more than he could chew with iodine. They got into some financial trouble and I think he was going through some personal stuff as well. And I think he just needed to close, you know? And so he, um, he basically abruptly closed iodine and right right as Somnambulist came out and there was just basically no promotion. There was just no anything for for the record. And so no one really knew it was even coming out. It kind of just sat on shelves and uh, just all the normal things that would happen when a record re- re- is released, even on a, a small DIY scale, just did not happen. There was no real mail order or, or anything for it. So, I, and I think he always felt bad about that, you know, like, which is because he's a good guy and he knows that like, yeah, it, it was a disappointment to us. Um, and I think it sort of stymied some of our, you know, our willingness to go forward or, you know, some of our ambition to, to stay together as a, as a band. Um, but, you know, at this, at this time, Casey's doing great. He, uh, oh, so here's, here's what, so here's how it all really happened was, uh, our friend Paul from Boston, right, who has been running a, uh, DIY hardcore punk label 
like never stopped from yeah. the Tor time. Johnson. From, from, yeah, Tor Johnson. He's yeah. a great. Paul's a great guy, and he's a, like true lifer uh, in terms of DIY hardcore. Um, but he approached me because he was putting out the Moment discography, and he asked me if I would do the liner notes for that record. Uh, if I would just write, write something for him, I was like, yeah, sure. And, and then did that. He's like, also, if you ever want to do any, like there were wires stuff, let me know. Cause I'd be happy to put that out for you. <laughs> and that's like, Oh, well, okay. yeah, that, that's kind of a cool idea. Um, so talked to him about it. We kind of agreed we'd want to do somnambulist because it was a record that never got the attention it deserved. And, uh, we asked Casey about it. We got in touch with him just to like get his blessing to do it. And he was like, well, what if I was involved? What if I, you know, I'm thinking about starting up iodine again and how about we do it as a split release and we'll put a bunch of time and energy into it. And we we're all like, well, fuck yeah. That's, you know, like yeah. that sounds amazing. You know? So he, so Casey came back into it. Paul, you know, Paul was part of it. And, uh, it, it was, it's been amazing. It's been one of the, it's been such a, surprising success with the amount of people that still care this this long after the fact i mean it's it's been mind-blowing but um you know we were able to remaster it we added uh uh we added a cover of uh sonic youth uh onto the end of the onto the end of the record that we had done um that was just on like a, a one-off uh seven inch that we did and redid all the artwork and everything and it, it's i mean we just did it how we would have done it back then if we had had the time and energy and money and, and backing to do it and it's been it's been crazy I, I can't even believe the response to it i had no idea this many people would would give a fuck about this this long after the fact but it's like my I can't even keep up with the messages and the the reposts and the you know That's like awesome. just all this stuff. It's like I guess I guess the pre-order stuff for some of the the vinyl colors sold out in like under two hours and stuff. And like it's just it's absolutely insane to me that anybody cares. But I'm, I'm like incredibly grateful for it. It's it's so nice. It's like one of the it's probably one of the nicest things that's happened in the last two years. <laughs> you know, is is to is to and to like talk to a lot of these these people I haven't even like been the same room with for over a decade or more. You know, and yeah. like really great guys and like just people that are that had just loved it then and they still love it now it still means something to them that's like it's like the greatest feeling I, I i can't even describe how nice that is that someone still cares about something you did as a kid <laughs> you know yeah, like awesome. almost 20 years later just it, it's it's been a really great experience and and it also is just really nice to work with my my friends again you know like ryan jeb thomas those are like my my closest friends and we're not all geographically you know together these days but i mean we still we still talk a lot and we're all still good friends and um yeah it just feels really nice to do to to work on a project again even if it's not like writing a new record or yeah. you know playing a new show or whatever it's just it's it's nice to get back into that feeling of collaboration and doing something creative and like working on art and layouts and talking about the music and how we feel about it it's it, it's it's great it's like it's real it's reliving a time that i thought was long gone and yeah. it's it's a very uh, it's a fortunate place to be that's awesome um so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, if, if, if people haven't heard it by now, then they'll be able to find it. Uh, it's, it's on the, uh, it's on the band camps and, you know, Tor Johnson, um, and all that. But, um, yeah. to, to close out, I wanted to go to a different place, a different part of your oh. life. And I want to talk about, uh, Hallow's Pizza. So... Um, this is, uh, this is a restaurant you just opened or how long, how long ago have you opened it? Uh, so yeah, it's kind of a pretty interesting story. Uh, so it opened in, in last September okay. and, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. So when I was in Boston, when I, when I moved to Boston to, 
to really be in their wires and pursue it as a real band. I got just a nothing job that my roommate got for me because he worked at uh, he worked at a restaurant delivery company, and that restaurant delivery company kind of paved the way for my career for like the next. 15 years or more, um, which, which is crazy. Cause it's not anything I had any real interest in doing, but I had an aptitude for it, for that, that sort of thing that we were doing. And eventually, you know, I moved out to Oregon, um, worked for some other companies and ended up in like management and general management and regional management, um, for a long time. And, uh, I was doing that for a lot of years and I was just beat to death of it, you know? And, um, in 2017, I, uh, the, my, the company I was working for got bought out by another company, a much larger company who kept us on for like a year or so. And then they just let go of a bunch of the managers and, and also just cut a bunch of positions. And, and one of them was mine. So, I had all this years of experience doing this shit that I didn't even want to do and like, like hated doing. And I got, you know, kind of this really nice, like golden walk away from, from this, this industry when, you know, I got, a, I got, you know, a bonus and a severance package and stuff that I could live off of for like a year or more. Um, wow. so yeah, so it was, it was great. You know, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Cause I was so happy to be, to be done with it. Yeah. Um, and to, and to get a big chunk of money. And, um, so we were living outside of Portland. I had just bought a house and, um, my, my partner and I, you know, we're sort of trying to figure out what, what we're going to do. And I'm just like, I don't want to go back to a, I don't want to go back to a nine to five. I don't want to sit in front of a fucking computer every day. You know, like I just don't, it's just not, I don't know. I don't want to work in a big corporate red tape thing and whatever. And I, and you know, I was really trying to think about what I wanted to do. And it was either, I was thinking like, maybe I'll write a children's book or, <laughs> or maybe I'll just do something really like a physical job like where it's just like the the work you do results in you know just this transaction you know you, you do this labor and you get it right back immediately and that i was like i always just wanted to to make pizza because the idea of just like making pizza was just seemed really nice to me like yeah he's yeah, like you know like and so i <laughs> so i ended up kind of convincing aaron that i could do that I could like run a pizza, a pizza place. And, um, that's kind of what we pursued. And, and in that time, so we're kind of running like, so like a year goes by, I haven't worked in a year. And then, uh, I'm like, okay, well I actually need to start making some money. So I'm going to have to like pursue this for real. And, uh, we saw in our town, we live in this like really little community and they have some community development programs, like business development programs, and they run a business plan competition every year or every three years where like, you can sign up to, write a, to be part of this competition and the winner gets a very large loan, like a $20,000 loan and a $5,000 grant um, to go towards their business that, that they're going to open in, in the county. And we won, <laughs> which was crazy. And I, you know, and that was one of the things that like working in the, working in the, my field for so long, you know, I, I was kind of used to writing all the, you know, all the business jargon and, and doing business plans and scheduling and, you know, just all that shit. So, so it was amazing that we won. It was like a shark tank style thing and we won unanimously. And then I was able to, uh, able to just open a business there. So we do like, and now like four days a week from three to eight, I, I work in a wood fire pizza restaurant and it's just me and my partner and it's me and Aaron. I make the pizza. She makes them pretty and handles all the customers. And we work two minutes from our front door and it's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It is so much fucking work though. Like it, like it's so much work for like, and it's a, it's a cart. It's like a, just a, it's like a, 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 a big wood fire pizza cart in a parking lot. And, uh, you know, we can walk to it if we want. And, uh, but 
yeah, with just two people, the amount of like, you know, all the prep and maintenance and, you know, and it's all wood, you know, wood chopping and everything, but it's been, but it's been crazy. But, and right off the bat, it was really, really popular and, um, people seem to really like what we're doing. I, I'm amazed cause I'm pretty self-taught. I didn't like, you know, I kind of just did it, learned by trial and error and, uh, the response of the town has been great and we can somehow we're living off of it. So it's, it's a, it's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what is your, uh, what's your secret to a good crust? Uh, well, it's all about the dough of course, but it's the, it's the fermentation. You gotta, you gotta let it, I think doing a anywhere from a 36 hour to a 72 hour cold fermentation okay. that's the secret. You got to let it you got to let it age a little bit and uh it gets a really nice texture and uh and I and a really it'll develop the flavor and uh, it took me I've I've wrecked so many fucking pizzas Sean I, I can't even tell you. <laughs> like I've I've trashed so like hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of pizza to to figure it all out. But at this point where we I feel pretty comfortable comfortable where we're at but that that is the secret. If you're ever out in Oregon, let me know. I'd love to make you a pizza. And that was my conversation with Jamie Mason. Thanks so much, Jamie, for taking the time to chat with me. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>